Welcome to episode 58 of the Smash Accept Podcast. The boys are back, all three of us. You know, it, does, it hasn't been happening that way. But to cover week one, to recap all the games, Smash Accept style, everybody's here tonight. You know, and I'm super excited about it. Guys, what was the biggest takeaway for you guys? I mean, how exciting was it to have football on again? It was incredible. What's up, Smash listeners? I hope you enjoyed week one as much as I did. Football's back. The big reveal. We finally get to see what we've been talking about for what seems like uh, it seems like we've been talking about it for a full year now. But uh, incredible! Uh, I you know I, just seeing your rosters in action. I might just throw out there, smash except listener league. Who was the high score in week one? All right, all right. It was it was you. It, it was, was you. It was yours truly here by a pretty comfortable margin, I might add. But it's obviously a long season, and I can't wait to unpack week one here with with you and Mung. Mung, what do you think? What was your big I think, reaction? I think Mung's biggest takeaway is definitely going to be your, <laughs> your, your trade of Tom Brady, you know, to, uh, <laughs> yeah. to get Aaron Rodgers and maybe mm-hmm. possibly losing to dad. You know what I mean? Like dad sometimes just has to show the kids what's going on. Yeah, it was uh, great to be back watching football on Sundays. But, uh, I, hey, look, I've stood by my take of Brady over Rodgers for the foreseeable future and uh, – I gotta say, it's off to a promising start for 2021. Yeah, I gotta say, Mung, I was I was, like after watching you've been talking about Antonio Brown. You've been trying to trade him, you know, get him off my team. And I, I started obviously Mike Evans over Antonio Brown, and then he goes nuts, and I'm like, oh man, if I lose by that margin, I'm never gonna hear the end of it from Mung. He's just gonna harass me, and that's why I love you know playing in leagues with you guys, playing with our listeners. I mean, it's just been so much fun. Listen, we got a ton of content because we really want to give you, we don't want to read down through the stats. We want to tell you some actionable things, what we saw from the games, how we see things. And I mean, it was just exciting to watch. That's my agent. Hold on a second. Sorry, guys. I actually just got a deal with, no, no, I'm not leaving. All right. So let's, let's start with Monday night, right? We get, we get the Raiders, we get the Ravens, and there's so many things that we want to check there. For me, some of the biggest takeaways, obviously, was was the run game. You know, we wanted to see what was going on with Baltimore. Gus Edwards isn't there. J.K. Dobbins isn't there. And, guys, Tyson Williams, who I just traded for, you know, I just gave up a late 22-second in the Ultimate Dynasty Podcast League um, with the Dynasty Builders. If you guys haven't checked them out, great podcast. Made that deal, and I was like, yo, I'm all in, you know, Uh, and, and I have to make this move. I feel like Tyson Williams... Look the part. Obviously, Latavius Murray comes in and, and he does his thing. But, guys, it was definitely a, a bit of a flash there, right? I mean, I think what we have to look at is, is Tyson Williams, is he a smash that he's going to keep going forward? Or was it a flash week one? I mean, you look at nine carries, 65 yards, seven yards of carry and a touchdown, and he gets three receptions for 29 yards. I mean, is this guy the real deal? Is this a flash that he just happened? Or is this a guy that we're going to be smashing all year? Yeah, I, I think uh, I liked Tyson Williams heading in Gus Edwards' injury, and I, I still like him after the week one showing because we saw that because of those offensive line issues that the Ravens had, 
Um, Lamar Jackson actually did check it down a little bit more to his running backs than we've seen in the past. Now, it's a one-game sample size, so it's hard to take away too much from that. Um, And Tyson Williams certainly screwed up some protections, so that may impact his playing time. But overall, I liked what I saw from Williams. I mean, three receptions a game. If you look at it, I I believe Dobbins had 18 receptions and Edwards had nine last year. That's 27. I mean, just alone from that sample size kind of pushes that out there. John, everybody I keep hearing saying, well, Latavius Murray's going to take over. 10 carries, 28 yards. You know, Mm -hmm. obviously he's shown he can do it, but New Orleans was like, hey, we're moving on here. I know there's some salary issues there. I feel like we're going to have a timeshare, but are you are you in there on the flash or is it a smash with Tyson Williams? I I think I'm going to. I think it's Tyson. Uh, Tyson, I'm going to smash it. I, I thought the kid played with some juice. I was going up against one of my rivals. I know he's a listener to the show, Pete. Of course, Waller. It was Waller versus Tyson Williams. And I, I was a little worried because he ripped off that 35-yard touchdown. But, of course, Waller um, showed Pete to the door, 19 targets. Dude, and, Wall- and Waller the baller. Crazy. Waller the baller. He but belongs look, up there, man. Yeah, and, I mean, just to come back to this, like, Latavius is definitely going to get his. And the big story was what happened to Tyson Williams down the stretch. Coach comes out and says, well, we're going we're gonna to work all of our running backs. That's typically what we do. So that's what we should expect here. And I think Latavius is going to get some goal line. Frankly, we saw Tyson Williams miss a couple of blocks. And then what happens? Lamar gets crushed. That's not what you want to see have, have happened to your franchise quarterback. So I think it's going to be a timeshare. But Tyson Williams, for those of you that did, pick him up great value and then again darren waller i mean if, if anything he probably got too much focus and defenses will start to key on that more and more do you guys see this quote from gruden saying that he's the single best player he's ever coached what <laughs> gruden really um that says a lot uh but i, I was ex- so excited to see like the the i guess he, well, i don't know what the term for this is like bell cow tight end Whatever, the, whatever that is. <laughs> I mean, if you if you flip over to the other side of the ball, I mean, Derek Carr, four hundred thirty five yards passing, two touchdowns, and Waller was a beast. You know, ten catches, a hundred yards, another touchdown. He's the guy you gotta have. I mean, that we all know that. But the rest of the the wide receiver core, you know, Brian Edwards showed up, four receptions, eighty one yards. We've been talking about we're talking about him for a while. Yeah, Renfro showed up, but I think the biggest takeaway for me on the Raiders. You know, on the on their side of the ball is Josh Jacobs, man. I mean, you know, those two touchdowns I think have created a sell window here for you because he looked, yes. he's banged up. This is not going to be, you know, if you look on Roto Wire or Roto Word, whoever you look at, they literally say everything's injured on Josh Jacobs. I mean, the man is a walking wounded, you know, getting out there. And 10 carries, 34 yards, two touchdowns. That looks great, the two touchdowns. But, I mean, Kenyon Drake did what we wanted Josh Jacobs to do, right? Five receptions, 59 yards. He was involved in that pass game. Um, If we end up getting the the keys to it, you know, Kenyon Drake was a guy I got in Scott Fishbowl. I've been picking up everywhere. I I believe he might be the more explosive back here in this backfield. As much as I've, I've liked Josh Jacobs, he just looks banged up. He has not been able to stay healthy. And this, this could be a little bit of a muddy backfield, Monk. Yeah, I mean, look, I, you can say sell high on Josh Jacobs. I just don't know that people are actually going to be buying into that. Um, well, that's I, like the, I, in our listener league, the one guy said he gave up Josh Jacobs and 
Oh, man. I think it was Josh Jacobs and Sterling Shepard for Saquon Barkley. Like, <laughs> that blew my mind. Like, you make a move like that all day. But sometimes people don't look at, we're trying to break it down and show everybody what's on. Sometimes they just look at the fantasy points, right? Two touchdowns well, it, looks real, look, real appealing. a lot of running back injuries, too. So go target the guy that just lost Moster, the guy that, that's down, ETN, Akers. So many of these, and, and some of the running backs that underperformed in week one, those are the guys you're targeting. I'd unload Jacobs for sure. Yeah, if you can get a first, any first for Josh Jacobs right now, I feel like that's the sell. Didn't mean to cut you off, Monk. Keep going. No, it's fine. I was going to say, uh, you know, certainly Jacobs won't be putting up two touchdowns on those on that type of workload every week, but I'm more concerned about Mark Andrews, who we thought perhaps would see a slight bump in usage considering their losses in their running game and also with Rashad Bateman on IR currently. But, you know, still just not much production there for Andrews. Didn't look super explosive. I, I think it's a little bit early, but we might need to worry about Mark Andrews. I don't know that he's in that same tier right now as Hawkinson, who we saw got huge target volume. Well, a couple months ago we had, you know, I, I'm totally agreement there. I've been, we've been talking about on the pod getting rid of Mark Andrews, trying to push him for Hawkinson, push him for Fant Plus, push him for one of those kind of guys. The other thing to take away from there is, you know, we had Dave Richard on from CBS, and he was say, this is Marquise Brown breakout season. He looked electric. I mean, he looked like the, an actual wide receiver for the Ravens, which we haven't seen for a while. He flashed for me, you know, and I, I, I don't want to – it's tough to believe it, right, because we've, we've wanted to be on that hype train before. It just becomes difficult. Are either of you guys even kicking the tires to go out there and buy Hollywood Brown? Not really. I have him on a couple of like deep rosters, and I actually threw him into one of my home leagues and was pleasantly surprised to see him with the six targets, six catches, touchdown. I think with the all the injuries that they've they've had in that offense, they need playmakers. He, I think he could take a step this year, but I would temper expectations just a little bit. I love it. Let's move on to the Sunday night game. So we got Bears at the Rams. A lot of a lot of things here. I mean, people have been writing David Montgomery off, just saying. You know, there's not there's not much there. They've been trying to move off him. I've been buying him on the cheap for late firsts plus a guy. You know, that one I got, I gave up Melvin Gordon and a late first to get David Montgomery. 16 carries, 108 yards. He gets, you know, he gets the touchdown. Only one reception. But David Montgomery looked like a guy who's going to be a driving force there. I mean, I can't wait until they make the right call and go with Justin Fields. I mean, Justin Fields scored more fantasy points than Andy Dalton, which is ridiculous, you know, in limited. And the way he ran the ball, the two of those guys back there, I'm a little bit more excited. I know it's going to be happening sooner than later. David Montgomery isn't a guy that you guys have necessarily been high on, but are we starting to believe a little bit? Is this somebody that, you know, we should, on your contenders, make a move for? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the price, right? Because to your point, Montgomery did look explosive. I think he logged one of the top five fastest plays of the week. Yep. Um, and really just, he looked good. But that being said, the lack of receptions could still limit his ceiling. We saw that he got a true workhorse role down the stretch last year. And we are seeing that Damian Williams is that guy on those yes. passing downs. Yeah. Got five targets. So. That does cap Montgomery without the touchdown. I don't know that we're quite as excited about his week one performance. Damian Williams is a great Agreed. great guy to bring up. I mean, we look at David Montgomery had 41 snaps. Damian Williams had 30 snaps. David Montgomery all or David Damian Williams also looked really good. And there were I actually looked, there were two leagues where he was still out there. I mean, there's some leagues 
where they're a little bit more shallow. Damian Williams is a guy you can pick up, a guy you can get thrown into a deal. And if he gets thrust into that situation, you know, he could put up solid RB2 numbers and, and be very inexpensive for you right now. Yeah, he, he was electric. I will I will add on to what Monk said, though, here. The workload that he had down the stretch, we did not see. And think about this. Justin Fields, if and when he starts at quarterback, he's going to be running the ball, too. That's going to eat into some of those carries as well. So, Damian Williams looked fantastic, but don't expect the workload that he had down the stretch last year. That's the point. Yeah, for sure. Moving on to the Rams side of the ball. I mean, Cooper Cup, 51 snaps, looked fantastic, right? Nine targets, seven receptions, 108 yards, two for three on contested targets with that touchdown. And Cooper Cup's another guy that I've been scooping up everywhere, right? We're going to talk about him and Adam Thielen were guys that I was just throwing out late first to try on those wide receiver needy teams that just don't get the respect they deserve. I mean, everybody said Robert Woods is going to command things. Tyler Higby was going to get an increase. But Cooper Cup went out there and he balled out. And he gives you some consistent numbers yeah. week in and week out. And I definitely am advocating buying Cooper Cup for that late first. If you're on that playoff push, if you're one of those teams that, you know, you're just a wide receiver away and it looks like a late first, I'm perfectly fine giving up a yeah. first for Cooper Cup. He was clearly Stafford's favorite target. We can keep throwing out, hey, week week one sample size, but let's react to this a little bit because he had 10 targets versus Bobby Woods, four. Yeah, uh, Bobby Woods had a nice touchdown catch there at the end. He still looks good, but he, it looked like he was losing a few snaps actually to Van Jefferson. And then Tyler Higby, to your point, he was out there in 100% of the snaps. They 100%. left Higby in there, and he had six targets, five catches. Yeah. So Higby looks like a thing. Higby's a lock and loaded tight end yeah. one for me. You know, he's he's he belongs in that area. And I know that's not really saying much when you say tight end one. I mean, but he's going to be a back end tight end one. And we want, I mean, Matthew Stafford, you know, it, it was some bumps in the beginning, but man, did he look good. The second half, yeah, you know, moving forward, we've talked about him being a top 10, you know, super flex quarterback upside. You know, he doesn't have that rushing there, but I could easily see him with 40 touchdowns and not bat an eye. I mean, Matthew Stafford looked that good with the weapons there. Monk. Daryl Henderson, you know, we've, we've got it going back and forth. But, I mean, it was rare to see a running back see 100% of his team's offensive snaps, but he did it. I mean, that's crazy, right? We were looking at Sony was going to be involved, but he was in there nonstop. Yeah, Henderson, for now, is a must-start for Week 2, considering the workhorse role that he saw in Week 1. But I will say that I think he's still a risk long-term because we know that they did a late trade for Sony Michelle in the preseason. So Michelle's still getting up to speed. It'll be interesting to see what the workload split uh, looks like, if anything changes by, let's say, Week 4 or Week 5. So I, I think if you're a contender, Henderson is a fine hold. If you're rebuilding, I would still sell Henderson for a first-round pick. Yeah, and let, let's look at that. the Bears wide receivers. I mean, with the new quarterback, Allen Robinson and, and Mooney, they, I mean, they dominated targets. They, they didn't lead to that many receiving yards, but they were definitely getting peppered there, and it, it was a tough, you know, tough Rams defense to go up against. Are we buying, you know, I, I've always yes. been in on Allen Robinson, but Darnell Mooney is going to be targeted quite a bit as that number two there. Are we? I, I get questions about him weekly. Is this someone we should go out there and buy? And if so, what are we willing to pay for Darnell Mooney? I think, look, I mean, maybe floating a mid to late second for Mooney would be a, a decent buy. And again, it's a good buy opportunity right now because it's before we see him with Justin Fields, who I think completely changes the landscape for that offense. So I liked Mooney. He did get seven targets. Uh, I think he could take a step with Fields. 
A-Rob, we know we're going to have to pay more for that. And even Cole Komet, I, I thought, got um, a, a lot more action than I expected versus Jimmy Graham. Seven targets, five catches for, for Komet. So they, they're going to kind of spread the ball around a little bit with A-Rob still being the alpha with his 11 targets. But again, liked Mooney. What I got to say is if you have Justin Fields, and I'm, I'm getting this question, I got it twice this week, of should I move Justin Fields for for you know Mac Jones and, and said player? And I'm like, I do feel like when this man gets on the field, it's going to be like Cam Newton his rookie year. You know, We've talked about it with Trey Lance. I feel like it's the same with Justin Fields. When he gets on that field, he's going to be a QB1. I mean, we saw him in limited action down there by the goal line. The way he has that nose for the end zone, ran the ball. Yeah. Guys, just be patient with Justin Fields. Yeah. Just be patient with Trey Lance. We're seeing some of these things. And I got, like I said, two or three questions this week of like, hey, should I consider moving Justin Fields? No, no, <laughs> no. There's no team you're on where you should consider moving Justin Fields unless you're getting one of like five stud quarterbacks and you're right there in contention. Anybody else other than those big five, big six, Lance and Fields need to stay on your team under no circumstances. You guys agree? Yeah, for sure I do. I, I think he's he's a holder of buy. Yeah, and I, I I cannot wait to see him on the field. It's Chicago gonna be... Bears fans are just you know, the pressure's in to keep mounting. I give it one, maybe two more weeks before he's he's starting. Week four, latest for me. I love it. One quarterback I was excited to see, and uh, probably because I just kind of bought him a little bit on the cheap to go up there against Mung. We move over to the Packers Saints game. Jameis Winston, right? I mean. I know, you know, it's 14 for 20 and only 148 yards, but five touchdowns, five, almost 89% completion, uh, adjusted completion percentage. I mean, he looked patient, right? Like the problem we've had, and I watched this entire game, all the snaps with Jameis Winston is he's tried to force the ball or there was one particular play where he had seven or eight seconds back there. I mean, great coverage and old Jameis Winston would have tried to chuck it to Mike Evans somewhere, would have tried to force it in. And he actually threw it away. Like I know that he ran the ball, picked up a few yards. Yeah, he did a great job with that. I mean, he just looked poised. And I know it's you know I know it's a one game sample size, but Jameis Winston's another guy. I'm getting a lot of questions out there. I mean, what do we do with Jameis Winston if he's your QB three on a super flex team? Like if you if he if you played it right, he's your three or your four. So there's going to be some weeks you can definitely use him. It's going to be some boom bust. But I mean, this looked really good from all angles that I saw. Yeah. For real life football terms, I I think Winston was great, but like you said, the passing attempts and the yardage weren't there. How efficient is he going to be every week with simply touchdowns? Um, I don't know about that. And how much of that was just the Packers looking completely unprepared for week one. Uh, I do like Winston as a potential streaming option and redraft. I think dynasty, if he's your QB two and you're contending, he's a fine hold. But, you know, if you're rebuilding or if you have the quarterback depth and he's a flyer that you took a chance on, I would sell for a first-round pick in Superflex. Absolutely. John, I have a Jeopardy question here for you. So if you go behind center and you, and you snap the ball and you spike it into the ground every play, you get a QBR of 39. Slightly better than Rodgers on. In Absolutely. <laughs> Man, that was just gross. Like, I'm sitting there. Yeah. I went I went 15-1 and one this week. The only game I lost was to my brother, and Aaron Rodgers had one point for me. Like one fantasy yeah. point. You know, and it was just, it, it was unnerving, right? You're like, well, you know, maybe he didn't play all preseason. 
it's going to take a quarter. Or, you know what? Maybe maybe a little bit into the second quarter. Maybe the third. Nope, he's done. He's done. It, it's over. Um, I have never seen Aaron Rodgers play that way. Is it a matter of shaking off the rust? Is he not, you know, as committed to what's going on? What is going on with Aaron Rodgers? Because we've yeah. seen games where he, you know, does this or that. But, I mean, was it two interceptions or three interceptions? I mean, he had five all of last year. It just, yeah. it, it was not sinking at all. Not a beautiful day in the neighborhood for Mr. <laughs> Rogers. <laughs> there you go. Not at from, all. From Jeopardy the worst to Mr. Rogers. I like it. Yeah, I I really think – I don't think it's hyperbole. I think it was potentially the worst game of his career over the last few years. It was embarrassing, but I do think that we do need to kind of just chalk this up as the Packers didn't show up. They weren't ready. They were embarrassed. And so I do think that we see them respond in week two against the Detroit Lions. Um, and, and so we'll see him. We'll see him back. I think that it may take a couple of weeks before we see what we saw last year. Um I am a little concerned, though, what I from what I saw, but I still believe in Mr. Rogers and, and the the Packers' ability to do this. It's the same coach, same system. They'll figure it out. I'm in agreement here with with the the idea of kick the tires and see what happens. You know, try to see if you can get Aaron Rodgers on the cheap. It did look ugly. It certainly did. You know, and he's got a, the, the similar cast, you know, similar offensive line. Everything's in place to be the exact same. But I mean, Mung, we were talking about it. With John was like, "Hey, do I start Tannehill and, and Rodgers?" I was like, "Rodgers, absolutely." And you've been a little bit down on Rodgers, and and it definitely showed that week one. Where are you at with him right now? I mean, obviously that didn't improve the stock, but where do you put him in your weekly? I mean, I have a lot of people saying, "Hey, Dad." Monday night. That's a Monday night game. Do I do I risk having Aaron Rodgers roll out there? Where do you have him for your this week rankings? Yeah, look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I thought Rodgers was going to have an absolutely awful game like that. Um, we thought Jameis would, right? Like, if you thought anybody and you saw the stats at the end, you're like, oh, wow, Rodgers was really efficient. You know, well, I think <laughs> part of the issue is we're, we're maybe underrating the losses on the offensive line, right? They lost two of their starters, and clearly that made an impact. We saw them constantly under pressure against the Saints, yeah, whose yeah. defense might be better than you know we initially yeah. projected as well. So it's kind of an in-between thing. Going forward, I mean, for redraft, we talked about the touchdown regression to begin with. I think I had him ranked as my QB 12 uh, for the preseason rankings. But, look, against Detroit, who just made Jimmy Garoppolo look good, you're still starting Aaron Rodgers. Agreed. So, looking at the Saints pass catchers, right? I mean, it was difficult because they got the five touchdowns. Marquez Callaway had the most snaps. He dominated snaps. And we, we've yeah. talked about picking him up and doing things there. 52 snaps, but he only gets, you know, minimal yardage there. Some other guys to point out, Aaron Troutman, 51 snaps. You know, and then we look at... Your boy, John, we've talked about him on the Stash episode. Juwan Johnson, only 12 snaps, but what he was able to do with that was yeah. remarkable. Yeah, it looked like that he might have been like one of the, the real focus receivers in the red zone for Jameis. Maybe he's actually going to be the guy that takes on what Michael Thomas would have brought to the team there, like a big, big target, Jumanji Johnson, I think is what we're calling him. And so, you know, you can't get too carried away. He just had three targets, but he showed the team he could get it done. He's got the size to go up there and get the ball, and he may get a lot of red zone opportunities with Jameis. And, again, if you listen to the show, then maybe you did stash him um, like like um, some of us did. So 
I actually, though, I'm going to throw this out there. Adam Troutman, to me, is as much or more interesting than Juwan Johnson because he, he actually led the Saints in targets, and he was out there a lot, a lot more than Juwan Johnson, in fact. And so that's a guy that I would keep an eye on. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to see more from the Saints pass catchers because of just the game script and what happened with Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay handing them the ball on, like, 15, 20-yard lines, just ridiculous game. So let's see a little bit more of it, but – I, I am keeping an eye on Troutman and Juwan Johnson, and I think that Marquez Callaway will certainly get more action going forward. I feel like a lot of the Saints' offense, aside from Kamara, it's kind of like a glass coffin, right? You know, will they be popular? The remains to be seen. But Tony Jones was a guy that I know I had to work in a dad joke. Um, Tony Jones Jr., right, guy that I was talking about stashing on there, he looked electric. You know, we he keep did. talking about this. You want the next man up. If you were able to get Williams from the Ravens offense because he was the next man up. Now Tony Jones Jr., you know, he got a little bit of play. He looks like the next man up. Obviously, Kamara balled out. But when you get Tony Jones Jr., I feel like you can get him for a third-round pick still. I feel like you can, you know, most leagues he's all picked up by this point. But you can get him as a toss-in guy and definitely someone that I would advocate going out there. So let's look at the next game. We'll go to Denver Broncos at the New York Giants. So, not the prettiest game, right? I mean, this is not one that we're, we're super excited about. We look at the 50-50 split almost right down the middle of that running back crew. We, Melvin Gordon breaks off, obviously, that, 70, that, that huge 70-plus yard run. So he, his numbers look a little bit skewed in that direction. But, I mean, 11 carries, 101 yards. He went 72 yards before contact. I mean, after contact, not before. <laughs> but, I mean, he looked good, and he needs those type of carries. But... Where do we see this going throughout the season? I mean, the rest of the offense, losing Jerry Judy was huge. I mean, Sutton didn't exactly perform. Teddy didn't look all that good. The Broncos' offense was was a little bit shaky when it comes to the receiving game. What can we break down out of this? I mean, what are we taking away? Mung, I know this was one of the games that you checked out. I mean, what are we, what are we taking away from this Broncos' offense? Well, for starters, Fant is going to be a big beneficiary of Jerry Judy missing time. I think he's elevating into that top six, top seven must starts every week unless you have, you know, a Kelsey or a kid. Um, and then on the other hand, I tweeted out earlier, I'm really excited for KJ Hamler in this offense. Um, he should see a opportunity with Judy out. And this is a Jacksonville defense in week two uh, that they're facing that just absolutely looked awful under urban meyer in his debut uh i'm starting pretty much everybody that you can i mean hamler's a good dart throw wide receiver four with huge upside i think williams and gordon they can both be flex plays they could both punch in a touchdown i mean this is a jaguars defense that made mark ingram look like he was you know vintage 2016 2017 ingram nice john john we talk about you know, we talked about this on the uh, the retooling episode. Jerry Judy is someone where if you're in that retool mood right now, you know, and especially in a league where it's points possible, or if you're in a rebuild mode, I think he he he's looked the part. He was there until he gets that high ankle sprain, so we can expect him out at least six weeks, you know, and they're going to be a little bit on the cautious side. But I feel like it's time to make an offer for Jerry Judy. You know, I saw a guy today, uh, Dynasty Minion, he got Jerry Judy and a mid-20... 22 super flex first for Aaron Jones, you know, and he said he's a rebuilding team. 
Aaron Jones is a guy you don't want on your rebuilding team. Aaron Jones is a guy that you want to push out because because of that situation. And I feel like that's an absolute smash except into there moving in that type of direction. Absolutely. Definitely make some offers for Judy or um, whether it's redraft or, or, or dynasty uh, just depends. He's coming back. But in dynasty, to your point, that there's some smash offers. Reach out to us. Run, run some ideas by us. But I really like him as one of the targets. Get that cowbell going. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Now, the guy that I hear about nonstop is Saquon Barkley. You know, I feel like so many people here are just, they're super worried about it, right? And we've talked about he was going to take some time to shake the rust off. They even weren't sure how healthy he was going to be week one. He goes out there, 29 snaps to Devontae Booker's 24 snaps. So, I mean, they're going to ease him back in, but I'm hearing people selling way too low. You know, I, I, I talked to a guy today. I said, hey, man, what's it going to take for Christian McCaffrey? McCaffrey balled out. He's going to dominate. He's going to win you a championship. I have Saquon Barkley. I said, what is it going to take on top of Saquon? He said, Chris Godwin. I'm like, no, that's, that's too far. I feel like Saquon's going to have, you know, a RB1 season, but it's going to take some time. You're going to have to be patient, and I feel like it's a risk-reward and wait on it and see what happens here, guys. Yeah, the challenge is you, you, it's really important to start out hot in your, your fantasy teams. And so you really worry about how long it's going to take. And so yeah. that, that, you know, that's going to create some emotion and some people are going to be panicking, but look, I mean, I think that if you really get down to it, what you do down the stretch and into the fantasy playoffs is what matters most. So it really does depend on the value. I'm pretty confident. That's what Mung's going to say here too. It depends on each and every situation in dynasty. I think he's a buy. Um, if you're, if you're, Holding him right now, keep holding. He's he he. We know that he is seriously one of the most talented running backs, if not athletes, in the entire NFL. And eventually, he'll be okay. So be patient. The guy that you were saying you want no part of in that offense. I mean, it was it wasn't Kenny Galladay who led in snaps, who led in in targets and receptions and yards. Right. It was Sterling Shepard. You know, seven yeah. receptions, 113 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, Sterling Shepard was a guy that. A lot of people put out there on the on the wasteland, right? They're like, I don't want anything to do with Sterling Shepard. You know, he was a guy, get him off my team. It's just like a depth move. Are we trusting anything there with the Giants? Are we trusting that 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 Shepard's going to lead this team in targets? I mean, we look at Evan Ingram can't ever get on the field. You know, like he's missed the first two weeks already. Is there anything we should trust on this this Giants offense until it's time? You know, it's a more wait and see, right? Yeah, not really. I mean, I, I would rather have Galladay, but for the price, I'd rather have Shepard. Yeah, the next yeah, and I've game, been selling oh, my good. Kenny G ticket pretty consistently all off season, as you guys know. I I have zero Kenny G on my rosters. I, he's going to probably flash, but I think he'll be inconsistent at best. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the next game, I absolutely loved watching as a football fan. Right, Browns Chiefs. My gosh, this is the game you want to watch, right? I mean, you got Nick Chubb. You got you know the, the Browns looked fantastic in the first half. Watching Nick Chubb, watching you know watching Kareem Hunt. These guys, if either of them go down, I mean, they're both are on that fringe, you know, RB1 flex, you know, in that area. But, like, dude, if, if, if Chubb goes down, Kareem Hunt still looks super explosive. Nick Chubb, obviously, with two touchdowns again, 83 yards. If Kareem Hunt's not there and we look at Nick Chubb getting a complete workload, 
he's a top five running back. I mean, when that guy's out there, if you're in .5 PPR or zero PPR, I mean, Nick Chubb's got to be up there. He just looks amazing when he's running the football. Sounds like you got full Chubb there watching I that got, game. I, I got a Chubby right now. And I he definitely looks did. great. I yeah, definitely I do when you go to the other side of the ball, though, right? I mean, Tyreek yeah. Hill, there's there's no debate. We've talked about it before. Mung's been on point with it. I've yeah, been trying yeah. to say it's A.J. No Brown. Debate. We've been trying to say this guy. Tyreek Hill is the tight end or is the wide receiver one. No question. He is the dynasty wide receiver one. We shouldn't even be questioning it because 15 targets, 11 receptions, 197 yards. I mean, we're looking at an absolute just difference maker someone who's going to win you weeks week in and week out and he's tied to Mahomes. why do we keep playing with this mung you've been on it the whole time you know you should have just slap this around a little bit because we get excited about the youth we get excited about this and that but it's tyreek hill right yeah and i think because he's going to have a great season he might be a sell high in the coming off season because he right. is getting up there in age and he is someone who does rely on that speed even though his technique has gotten way better over the last few years um, that said, look, all off season, I was talking about, you know, for drafts and for dynasty buys, basically I want to invest in the Dallas offense, the Kansas city offense and the Tampa Bay offense. And mm-hmm. nothing that we saw from week one has changed that for me. No. And, and you, you've been on that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is still a, a buy. I mean, he ran the ball 14 times, but no one else was handed a single carry, you know? So obviously he's, he's the guy there. One guy that. I found everywhere on my waiver wire, you know, I was I got him in the fourth round of many of my rookie drafts. Anthony Schwartz with Odell Beckham out really looked good. I mean, five catches or three of his five catches, 69 yards, and the guy, he's got some speed. I mean, Baker targeted him deep a couple times. This guy could be something here. The Schwartz was strong with that one. Ah, there it was. May the Schwartz be with you. You know, space balls for you younger younger fans out there who have no idea what we're talking about. No, I feel like he's someone that's out there on waiver wires. He's, he's past Rashard Higgins. He seems to be, he'll firmly be that number three guy. He's going to have some boomer bust weeks. But, I mean, Odell Beckham cannot stay healthy or get on the field for his, his life. And Jarvis yeah. Landry was peppered, but he looked like someone who's definitely there to stay, you know, and, and has some some definite upside. Next game, moving on to Miami. This is fun. This is fun. Miami and New England. So we look at you know both the young quarterbacks, both the Alabama quarterbacks. And to me, Jalen Waddle really showed out, Mung. I mean, six targets, 61 yards, a touchdown, 11.2 ADOT. I mean, Jalen Waddle was what we expected him to be, right? Yeah, and I had Waddle ranked as my clear number two rookie wide receiver in this class. Uh, I still like him there. Uh, I will say that, you know, Will Fuller is coming back from the suspension this week, so maybe temper your expectations there. But long term, I certainly love Waddle. I'm glad you said that because we're we're doing something now where we're going to pick a player. We're going to pick a wide receiver outside the top 24. We're going to pick a running back outside the top 24 a tight end and a quarterback outside the top 16. We're going to have a little competition between the three of us. I'm going to be putting that on Twitter. You say that Jalen Waddle is your wide receiver two out of this class. Man, watching that Eagles game, I have Devonta Smith there. I mean, the way he was targeted, he looked 
electric, you know, and I, I know it's splitting hairs between the two of them because they both looked fantastic week one. But that's my smash play of the week of a wide receiver on Fantasy Pros that's outside the top 24. And we'll get to our, our full list there, but I just had to get that out there. You know, I've been trying to yell about Devontae Smith everywhere, trying to pick up and, and make some moves. If you can still get either of these guys, you know, if you can still get Waddle, you can still get Smith. I've seen some trades where people are giving up. You're getting either of these players and a second from Mike Evans on, on Twitter. And I'm like, that's something that you got to do. I feel like if you're not – what's that? Real quick, Mike, let's say someone offered you Jalen Waddle for Devontae Smith straight up. You're taking Smith, is, your, is what you're saying? I am today. <laughs> it's, a, it's as clear-cut as it is. I mean, I've been kicking tires where I've been trying to I, – I, I put it in the group chat today. How much more do we get? If I have A.J. Brown and I really want Devonta Smith or I want Waddle, how much more are we getting on top of that? I am taking him because, for me, watching that Eagles game, I was a little – I mean, obviously, it's against the Falcons, but he was heavily targeted. You know, he looked, he was wide open. I mean, he had that that great ability to separate, and we know Waddle has that as well. I'm excited to watch both of them. Right now, I'm Devonta Smith, and I feel like I'm going to keep riding that train, and I feel like it's splitting hairs between the two of them. You know, John, if you had to choose between the two today, we've gone back and forth. Anything to add to that? Yeah, I'd go s- slightest of leans to Waddle over Devonta. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, just a, very it, it's a fun one, but it's splitting hairs. On the other side, let's look at Damian Harris. 23 carries, 100, yard, 100 yards. He gets two receptions for 17 yards. I mean, Damian Harris looked good. Jacoby Myers, 74 snaps. Jonu Smith, you know, he had 55 snaps. There was a lot of things there to like on the New England side of the ball, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and you know, I've got quite a number of teams with Damian Harris um, I think that we are a little bit worried about that fumble at the end of the game that kind of cost him, and that's not going to sit well with Bill Belichick and, and McDaniels. But he did look really good. He had some burst. He was staying on the field. James White um, was was a factor in the passing game, as we expected. But Damian Harris has a role, including the red zone. He, he busted off a 35-yard run, which looked pretty good. And, you know, just maybe moving to, into Mac Jones, I think – a lot of people are still talking about how, well, he was just really a game manager. He's checking down. He actually still looked good passing the ball downfield. He had actually a, a 96 deep passing grade. Only yeah. Tom Brady actually graded better than that. Well, and that Miami one. secondary is legit. I mean, they have a, yeah, they have a good sure. secondary, and it was definitely – for right. his first game, I was very impressed. Yeah, he had some nice throws downfield. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I liked what I saw out of Mac Jones in the overall – uh, New England offense. I think they're going to win some games. So, um, pretty good start. Absolutely. Um, and then, and Tua. I mean, it was Tua yeah. time. Tua looked pretty good. I mean, I feel like we're we're, we're trending. Both these guys are ascending quarterbacks. And yeah, I feel like th- right. throughout the year, they're both going to improve, and they're only going to look better. It's a tough week one matchup. But now Mac Jones right. gets gets the Jets. You know, that, that's a cure yeah. for a lot of things that ail you, right? Yeah, that, like, that's right. We're finding yeah, out. You, you start whoever's against the Jaguars or the Jets, you know, and we're starting to move towards those ways and, and get yourself set. And both those quarterbacks right. are just going to continue to increase in value. Yeah, you'll find this interesting. Tua actually is the youngest QB ever to beat the Pats in Foxborough. Wow. Youngest ever. Yeah. I mean, beating those guys in Foxborough is no joke. Right. So I think those are both decent QB2s to ride on your dynasty teams and will improve. Yeah. And and neither of them, I mean, Tua's, 
still on the cheap. I mean, I'm I'm seeing a lot of offers out there for Tua that are are a little bit almost disrespectful. I mean, I feel like he is going to bounce back. He is going to to have a quality season here. Moving right along, we'll go to Minnesota and Cincinnati. We all know I've, I've been trying to say for years that the Joe Mixon top five running back season is there. When we did the hot takes, John, you took it, and I'm going to let you take it away because he literally was targeted in the passing game. He got 29 rushing. We're looking at 33 touches on the game. Yeah, I mean, anybody who listens to the Smash Pod every once in a while knows I've been pumping Joe Mixon. I've got him in the Smash Listener League. So it was so much fun for me to watch him in that workhorse role. But he looked good. In, and he actually led the NFL in um, forced missed tackles, eight rushing missed tackles for Joe Mixon in week one. Yeah. And again, he was involved in the passing game. Offense is going to get a lot of opportunities. There was no one else really threatening. So he just the kid just has to stay healthy. Yeah. Mung, I keep hearing it. You know, Jamar Chase drops the ball. Like, Jamal, Jamar Chase is someone you don't necessarily want. You should move off 62 snaps, and the man looked fantastic, right? We, Anybody that bought Jamar Chase at a discount, congratulations. You know, you got an absolute stud. He is the wide receiver one of this rookie class, and he showed why on Sunday. Look, I, it, I was getting Jamar Chase in the sixth, seventh rounds after those preseason drops on underdog. Um, I, I I will say I considered moving him down, but I held strong. I kept him as my <laughs> wide receiver 20 in my redraft rankings, um, and he looks good. I mean, I, I maintained that it was going to be Chase over Higgins over Boyd in PPR formats. Uh, I still believe that, but certainly Higgins and Boyd will have some nice games too, but I love, I love Chase and Higgins against the Chicago secondary this week. So I talked about Cooper Cup being a guy that I've been buying. I have bought Adam Thielen for a pair of seconds in two different leagues. Adam Thielen it gets no respect, right? And I was talking about this with my brother on the right. When you got that young stud, and then you got Adam Thielen there, right? So you got Justin Jefferson. You're like, look at that shiny new toy. It's fantastic, 1,400 yards. And then you forget Adam Thielen went healthy is a rock-solid wide receiver, too, who's going to put up wide receiver one weeks. Ten targets, nine receptions, 92 yards, two touchdowns, three for three on contested targets. He's a touchdown machine. Like, Adam Thielen is no joke. If you have an opportunity where you are a win-now team and your wide receiver depleted, throw out that late first, throw out a second and a, and a Michael Pittman type guy, and you're going to get Adam Thielen, and you're going to get wide receiver projection all year round. Anybody have an argument with that? Because like I, I feel like I'm gonna die on that one. I've been throwing Adam Thielen out. He won me my Scott Fishbowl, you know, as my wide receiver four. You can buy him on the cheap still, and I understand that it's a one year rental. But I would much rather and this. I might be out there on a, a limb, but I would much rather take Adam Thielen than the unknown situation with some of these other wide receivers that are up there in that same age. Hooked on a Thielen. Bah, yes. Bah, bah, bah. No, <laughs> we got. So many Completely dad jokes rolling in this one. We're just going to keep them coming, too. But 10 targets, 9 receptions, 92 yards, 2 touchdowns. With Herb Smith out, too, I think that he's getting a lot of red zone looks. And Jefferson's getting a lot of coverage. And so I, I'm with you. I mean, it, it was such a value. And we're starting to realize that just right out of the gates. He's going to score a ton of touchdowns this year. And I, and I think that people still view him a certain way. So get in there and get some feeling mm -hmm. if you can. More with, than the feeling. With Irv Smith out, 
You know, and this is my tight end smash play of the week is Tyler Conklin. He's outside the top 16. He had 59 snaps. You know, he he looked like he's not going to have huge games, but I mean, he puts in that, you know, 10.5 PPR range. And guy that I've been picking up on waivers, probably out there in your league, KJ Osborne, 67 snaps. You know, he became that guy that that filled in there. Both of those guys are going to get some looks. Mung, are you buying in on either of these players? Yeah, I, I would consider, you know, picking up KJ Osborne. I, I bid on him in a few waiver runs in my dynasty leagues. Uh, look, I, I don't know that he's going to be a special talent, but it seems like Minnesota is running a lot of 11 personnel with Irv Smith out for the year. And to be honest, I thought their defense was going to be a little bit improved with the guys that were getting back healthy, but that defense still looks like a mess. So this could be a Vikings team that gets into a lot of shootouts again this year. And Osborne is that, you know, Tyler Boyd-ish PPR type who's going to just rack up some volume in some shootout games. Yeah, no, so if you're in a deeper league, go out and get him. Obviously make those waiver claims if you've got a chance for Tyler Conklin, you know, 41 yards on four catches, especially in in, uh, tight end premium. Moving on to the next game, we'll go Chargers and the Washington football team. John, we took the victory lap on Mixon. Antonio Gibson gets the carries, gets the targets, slightly lackluster, still over 100 total yards, you know, 20 carries, 90, six avoided tackles, five targets, three receptions. And if you had told me before the game started that J.D. McKissick would have half the snaps and would not be involved in the passing game and that Antonio Gibson would not be a top 10 running back, I would have I would have laughed. Oh, I'm, I mean, it was such a validation. I am going to take a victory lap here because we've been saying that we thought he was going to get that huge workload. He's going to be more involved in all elements of the game, and it's exactly what we saw. He he had 25 uh, total touches. Patterson had three, and McKissick had two. When he was on the field, he led the NFL in overall opportunities, carries plus targets per snap, 69% of the time he was on the field. He touched the ball. 69% of the time. 69% of the time he touched 69. it every time. 69, dude. So I mean, we got Anchorman you know, and a Gronk reference in there. I mean, it was well, good. And, and, and Mixon was actually number two at 61%. So the two guys that we've been talking about getting that bell cow roll, we saw it in week one. So good to see. And that will translate to, to more points. And I think we're about to see him tonight do even more against the Giants. Uh, can't wait to watch him again. I'm a little frustrated on the other side of the ball with Austin Eckler. 15 carries, 57 yards, and a touchdown. Zero targets? Wait, wait is that a typo? Shocking, Zero actually. targets for Austin Eckler. So I feel like we got a buy low opportunity because what does everybody associate with Austin Eckler, right? PPR points, getting those receptions. It's going to happen. I mean, you know, it just didn't happen in this particular game. Whether whether Washington has a great defense and were, was game planning against that a little bit better. He did not get that, but the guy who just showed up, you know, and everybody's been predicting this, but Mike Williams had a phenomenal game. When Mike Williams is healthy and not beating up his body, Mike Williams is a guy who goes out there and he kind of gets it done. Another guy on that offense, if you are in a deeper league, we talk about the next guy up, Larry Roundtree the third. You should have him on your roster. You know, he has he had eight carries. He's, he's past Joshua Kelly. He's past Justin Je- Jackson. He is that number two back there. And Austin Eckler has not been healthy. Larry Roundtree is someone to go out there and target. You know, most leagues he's probably picked up, but that doesn't mean people are paying attention yet. He could start getting a couple more goal line carries. He could do some more things there in that offense. 
But mom, I would actually. Uh, I was going to say go, I'd go actually ahead. rather have Justin Jackson if you're looking for a handcuff type. I think Roundtree is the complement to Eckler, but I think okay. if Eckler were to miss time, we'd see a lot of Justin Jackson, particularly in that receiving role. Yeah, and, and he he did play well when he had those opportunities in the past, so I like that. Mung, Ryan Fitzpatrick goes down, right? I, I love the beard. I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right before the game, I talked about Dynasty Builders, but I traded Tyler Haneke for Marvin Jones because I needed wide receiver depth in a super flex, and I had three other quarterbacks who are, are studs. And uh, they were thanking me afterwards. Here's your shot. This is your guy. Where's Tyler Haneke belong, you know, over let's say over the next six weeks? And is this his job now, period? Well, no. To be to be clear, Heineke has to show that he deserves this job over the next six to eight weeks while Fitzpatrick is out. So that's still up in the air. I will say, though, I am bullish on him. I think he has the skills to get it done, particularly if he doesn't force the ball. As Ron Rivera said recently, you know, after the Fitzpatrick injury, that Heineke's had a tendency to be that gunslinger type at times, which he needs to reel in a little bit. But look, if you were excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick with Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas and Diami Brown, why are you not excited about Taylor Heineke, who has those same weapons to throw to, but also he runs and he gets that rushing production, which is huge in fantasy. So I like Heineke a lot. Um, I laughed because I got an offer in a super flex dynasty league of Cam Newton and two fourths for him after the Fitzpatrick injury. <laughs> oh, after geez, that's not yeah. the time. And, uh, I mean, look, you, you gotta do better than that. Um, <laughs> so bring your a game. That's rough. Yeah. In, in super flex formats, Heineke needs to be hundred percent rostered. Um, and personally I, I would need at least a second round rookie pick to sell him. So John, we were talking a lot about Terry McLaurin, you know, and I, I, I was all I was bullish on Terry McLaurin being a wide receiver one with Ryan Fitzpatrick, knowing that he, you know, he targets his number one wide receivers, he forces the ball with Henneke in there now, and we we see it was an upsetting first week for Terry McLaurin, right? If you had Terry McLaurin, you got ten fantasy points out of him. That's not what you were looking for from a guy that you drafted as your wide receiver two. Yeah, I, I'm not too worried about McLaurin. I, frankly, I. I was going to ask Mong if he would change his value of the Washington pass catchers or not with Heineke. What do you think, Mong? No, I, I would not uh, because Scott Turner is still going to run a lot of plays. And at, look, Taylor Heineke was good against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah. in the playoffs, right? Terry McLaurin, mm-hmm. I think he had like seven catches for 75 yards or something like that in that playoff game. So, I was never on McLaurin as a wide receiver one this year. I had him in that mid-range wide receiver two area, um, but I have not downgraded him at all because of the quarterback change. Okay. And, and, and Mike, me, I mean, I, I still have him kind of in that low wide receiver one, yeah. um, high wide receiver two range. He had arguably the best catch of week one, miraculous catch that he made. He still gets open, and I think he's going to get his. I think that was a really tough kind of defensive battle in many ways mm-hmm. in week one versus the Chargers. So – We'll see. I'm moving Logan Thomas up. I think Logan mm-hmm. Thomas, Fitzpatrick's never been a guy to pepper the tight ends. He's been a little bit more of a risk taker. Heineke's going to take care of the ball a little bit more. And that yeah. second half, when he took over, Logan Thomas excelled. And Logan yeah, Thomas and the one really good. That, that Heineke did throw did go to Logan Thomas, which is notable too. 
Now we get to my game, right? I've watched every second of it. You know, had pops over. Watched the uh, Eagles-Falcons on the new big screen. You know, it was awesome. Uh, obviously, the Falcons just... I'm not trying to get too excited about my Eagles, right? Because the Falcons looked brutal. There was nothing there clicking at all. I mean, we Mike Davis had less carries in there. And, and Corderell Patterson was stealing things. Kyle Pitts didn't really do much. Calvin Ridley was disappointing. Matt Ryan was laying on the ground most of the game. I mean, there was not a lot to be excited about with the Falcons. So let's go over to the Eagles. Devonta Smith, you know, six receptions, 71 yards, gets that touchdown on seven targets. The one drive completely took over, right? He had he had five recept or four receptions on the drive, took over the game. Jalen Hurts, to me, did what I wanted to see, right? He took care of the ball. He ran when he had to. You know, he still put up a, a, a QB1 type week, but he did not make those risky plays. And I know it's the Falcons, but I liked what I saw from Jalen Hurts. I liked the way that he played. I liked the way that they took care of things with Devonta Smith. And Miles Sanders looked really explosive. I liked what I saw from Miles Sanders. Give him the ball, good things are going to happen. He has four receptions. That's been the thing that everybody said it's going to hold him back. 74 yards on the ground. He's always just one play away from being a home run threat. And as much as I, I don't want to admit it, Kenny Gainwell looked really good as well. You know, Kenny Gainwell was that guy in there on third downs. He was the guy in pass protection who looked fantastic where Miles Sanders has fallen down at times. And he is going to be part of this offense. He's definitely a guy that's going to get some receptions in there and give them a little shot in the arm. So am I, I'm, I'm excited because it's the Eagles and they beat the Falcons, obviously. But there's some things to be excited about in this offense. Yeah, there definitely are. I, I really got to see both teams another week before I come oh, to yeah. the conclusions, right? I, and I just, I mean, the Falcons just got steamrolled, and I'm not really sure that, that that'll happen as much, but I, you know, definitely got to be super concerned about Atlanta. But I'm with you. I mean, Mike, I mean, they looked fantastic in week one, 32 to six final score. So I don't blame you for being excited about the, the hometown team. Yeah, and Cordero Patterson's a little bit gimmicky. We see Wayne Gallman as a healthy and active. I'm in three leagues where I've seen him dropped. I still think Wayne Gallman is going to be the number two back there. Um, someone that I think is definitely worth picking up if you have some extra roster spots. Going to my other team here in this game, I kept flipping back and forth, and this one made me want to cry. But the Steelers go into Buffalo and beat them. You know, and I just kept saying, Josh Allen's going to get it going. Josh Allen's going to get it going. And, you know, my man gets paid. And it, it looked it looked a little bit rough at times, you know. I mean, Diggs still did Diggs type thing. Thirteen targets, nine receptions. Deontay Johnson, you know, gets the ten targets, but not a lot with him. Five receptions, thirty-six yards. It was not it was not an exciting game, you know. There was not high-powered offenses like we expected. But my biggest takeaway from that game is Najee Harris in the second half. Najee Harris looked horrendous in the first half, right? He looked like he was lost behind that offensive line. And we know that offensive line is going to take some time to gel. But I believe you know he, he's got a plus matchup this week. I think he's going to turn that into you know a nice little stretch here where the more he gets acclimated, the better that offensive line starts to mesh together. You know, Najee Harris is someone who might be able to buy low who they were thinking was going to be you know the second coming of you know Adrian Peterson. And now all of a sudden he doesn't have that week. And sometimes we get so excited about those rookies like Kyle Pitts, like Najee Harris, and they go out week one and they disappoint. And some people start to sour a little bit. Cheers. No, they don't. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I, I, Najee, 
he, he's get, he's getting all the touches. The workload is there, and that's what I'm focused on. Is that as I think as Pittsburgh goes, Najee goes, and he's going to have some good games. I just kind of worry. I mean, if you take away his one 18-yard run, he had 15 carries for 27 yards behind that line, and so it is a is a bit concerning. My overall takeaway is that Pittsburgh can come in and absolutely just ugly up a game, and we've seen him do it before. Tomlin will come in there with a, a certain game plan, and he he really did give him some credit. Take Buffalo out of their game um, for a, a lot of that game. Um, Josh Allen looked a little off at times, got sacked a few times, and they they just didn't look like what we saw last season or even in the preseason. But I mean. Mike, I mean, look, it's week one. Remember, these guys did not have any time in yeah. preseason to get to kind of get clicking again. That Buffalo offense is very much predicated on a lot of those timing routes, quick reads, and and Josh Allen's going to be fine. I, I, so oh, it's yeah. not absolutely. I don't think anyone is here on this pod, but right. for all the listeners, Buffalo is going to be incredible this season. And you just hate to see them come out so slow in week one. You know it. And the one thing, going back to him, and I know this is my guy, but to see a rookie running back come out and get 100% of the snaps is, is yeah, rare. Yeah, it's amazing. You know? And now he goes up sure. against that Raiders defense who gave up over 189 rushing yards to the Ravens. So that's why I was kind of getting a little kick in there. You know, especially in redraft, I had a couple guys, you know, they they saw that I was big on him and they, they've made some offers there. And I feel like that's something that I'm going to definitely go out there and consider, you know, and, and make some moves. Um Anything else to add from the game? You know, I know we're getting close to that one-hour mark, and this game was not all that pretty, but we do realize Cole the Beasley. Bills are going to click. Yes, Cole, Beasley, Cole Beasley, that's your dude. Thank you. 13 Thank targets. You. Tied Stefan yeah. Diggs. Yep. I've been talking about Cole Beasley all offseason. He's a clear number two in Buffalo. Um, you can probably still get him for a third, maybe a late second in most leagues. And, look, the volume is going to be there for him. And this is an offense that if they get things right in week two – you know, it's still going to be explosive, and Beasley's totally a huge, great. huge buy for you know, me. They run those three wide receiver yeah. sets all the time, and Sanders, Diggs, and Beasley were out there for 77, 78, That's and right. 79 snaps. That's right. Gabe Davis was the guy. He saved it with a touchdown. Got the touchdown. You know, and everybody loves him, but you're right. I mean, he's he's the fourth fiddle there. He's fourth you know, and it's, He's the yeah. guy that I think has that value. Cole Beasley has got to be, you know, we talked about Thielen and Cup. He's got to be the cheapest slot. Most receiver that you can go out there. You could probably get Cole Beasley for a pair of thirds. Well, after the you know? vaccine stuff came out, yeah. and he was like threatening to retire, kind of saying some stuff out of promotion. I mean, he was <laughs> so cheap. I mean, I've got yeah. him on the Smash Except Listener League, and can't wait to fire him up again. So Seahawks, Colts, talking about cheap wide receivers. Tyler Lockett just goes out and gets it done every game, right? Four receptions, yeah. 100 yards, two so touchdowns, true. eight out of over 24 yards. Uh, and the biggest thing taken away from me is the new offensive coordinator let Russ cook, right? I mean, Russell Wilson looked phenomenal. Can we expect this type of thing all year, or is this like the Russell Wilson where we get eight good games where he's the QB1, and then we get eight games where he's the QB, you know, 17-18? Can we finally see a season where they just let Russell Wilson throw the ball? Well, to be fair, he didn't actually throw it that much. Just 23 passing attempts, 16 carries for Chris Carson, so... I don't know that he's going to be cooking in, in terms of throwing it around a ton, but he is going to be efficient, which is what he's always been. And I do think that if Waldron continues creating these plays where they can actually get yards after the catch, free up some of the deep ball, um, I, I think Wilson can be a, a top five or so quarterback. 
and certainly he looked good against what we thought was going to be a good Colts defense. And look, he gets Tennessee up next, and that's going to be great. So there, there's been yeah. some concern about Carson Wentz targeting the running backs, right? And that's something that he necessarily hasn't done in the past. You see Naheem Hines with eight targets. Jonathan Taylor with seven targets, right? Yeah, baby. That puts Jonathan Taylor, if he's going to start getting receptions, if he's going to get four or five targets a game, has to be up in that top five dynasty running backs and, and pushed into that next level because that was the, that was the concern there. Obviously, you know, only 42 snaps, but Jonathan Taylor looked good. There aren't a lot of other things in that offense that, that, that excited me. I mean, Pittman was out there. Zach Pascal is another underrated guy that seems to perform every time he gets an opportunity. Anything else from that, that Colt side of the ball that you guys want to talk about? Yeah, I, I'd say that we need to talk about that backfield as JT and Hines. JT yeah. is going to be the lead. But what I agree with you. I mean, my takeaway was that the running backs were the focal point of the offense. 100%. And I, even when they were playing behind, Wentz was looking for them. After that first read was gone, where's JT? Where's Hines? Yeah. Um, and they and they both led the team in, in targets and receptions. Taylor, 23 total touches, 17 carries, six receptions. Hines, 15 touches, nine carries, six receptions. And then the other takeaway was Marlon Mack, zero. Zero. Didn't yeah. get on the field. I think so, Hines I think Hines yeah. is flex worthy. Yeah, you know what I mean? If, if you're in a twelve to fourteen type of league, I mean he he's definitely a flex worthy type player. Mung, any other takeaways from this game? Uh no, I mean just you know, I answered a question on Twitter earlier today that you can absolutely start both Hines and Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, on the same fantasy team if they're gonna keep getting this kind of target share because with the offensive line injuries, I mean Wentz was getting the ball out quick, and I don't necessarily see that changing, especially this week against that Rams defensive line. So I've, I've mentioned Scott Fishbowl a couple of times. My first pick, Kyler Murray. Man, how good did Kyler Murray so look? Good. You know, it was it yeah. was phenomenal. And we talked about up to week 11, he was the QB1. He's got to be in that, that conversation again. Making DeAndre Hopkins, you know, six receptions, 83 yards, two touchdowns. Christian Kirk. I mean, if you could sell him at this point, like, but he comes out five receptions on five targets for 70 recept or 70 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, the offense looked good on the flip side, Tennessee. What, what can we make out of that, that first game there? You know, we, we there's definitely some things because Arizona doesn't have the, the most stout defense, but there was definitely some rust there with Ryan Tannehill and company. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm actually a little bit concerned about Tennessee with the new offensive coordinator, Yes, And they went away from what made them so good last year, which was running the ball with Henry and then play action downfield that's setting up a very efficient passing offense for Tannehill. And they just got away from the play action. It's like, guys, go back and watch film of your best offensive games last year. You got to work that in and you got to make it work for Henry. But I, I got to give Arizona decent credit. They look good. Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt, wow. Um, those guys showed up and it was, it was pretty – scary at times. I mean, they were getting to Tannehill pretty consistently. So that was kind of my takeaway there, but I think Tennessee will figure it out. Yeah. Tannehill and, and crew should be okay. Um, but I mean, come back to your point with Kyler. I'm going to throw this out there in week one. I think he, he he's going to be my dark horse MVP candidate. I'm, I'm, I'm riding him in the, in the smash league and he, fun to watch. I, I had a couple people ask me, they're like, Mike, is, is he the Dynasty QB2? And I'm like, does not run Josh Allen out there, but he's definitely closer to that tier than he is the next tier down. I mean, it, it looked 
I think so. He looked great. Uh, let's talk about a couple rookie quarterbacks then. You know, we're getting a little short on time here. What did you guys see from Zach Wilson, from Trevor Lawrence, and the weapons around them? I mean, you know, it, it was they're going to take some bumps. They're going to take some lumps. There's definitely going to be some times this year where they, they flash, and there's going to be some times where, where they definitely struggle. But what were some of the biggest takeaways for those two rookie play callers for you guys? I mean, look, I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to be just fine, but – Urban Meyer doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. No, um, no that's sure. a potential issue. But that being said, that you know the Jaguars are going to have to pass a ton with that defense being as bad as it is. So from a fantasy perspective, I'm not too worried about Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but long term, certainly you hope that Meyer isn't going to be around for more than a season or two. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, for they're, sure. gar- they're going to be the garbage time kings. You're going to be playing from behind. But I, I, I think I'll throw this out there. I was super concerned about what I saw Urban Meyer do with James Robinson. Yeah, Remember, he handled eighty-five percent of Jacksonville's running back carries last season, and on Sunday, even with ETN out, he had thirty-five percent of Jacksonville's running back carries like Carlos Hyde's out carrying him like yeah urban urban what are you doing out there this is the NFL man yeah I I can't I mean James Robinson I want to say he's a buy low but like is he really thinking Carlos Hyde is is worthy of all these carries and I mean you know snap share was was fairly on the similar side as well I mean some of the stuff I saw in the preseason where they were getting LaVisca Chenault involved but I mean it's just not there you know it's 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 going to be a lot of ups and downs, you know, and that offense is going to be tough to, to trust. I like Marvin Jones. I like DJ Chark, but it's not going to be consistent and it's not going to be. I mean, Chark had 12 targets, but only three receptions, you know. Well, had, if, you want to, if you want to take it a step further, too, I don't know that anything's going to change once Travis Etienne comes back. I think it's still going to be a committee instead of Hyde. It's going to be Robinson taking away work from Etienne. Um, personally, I, I've never been as high on Etienne for that reason. And I, I would sell him for a first in Superflex for sure, potentially even in one quarterback formats. There you go. There you go. And hey, Dad, we, I was going to say, like, um, we should talk San Francisco for a yeah, minute. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a hot one. And, and Trey Lance did come in, and I will say this, first pass of his NFL career, touchdown. Um, yeah, it was beautiful. It, yeah, he. I'm super excited about Trey Lance. I know Mung is too. But we should just kind of talk about, like, what the heck happened, all these Shanahanigans that happened in week one. There was so um, many of them, right? We So many, with, like, yeah. It, it, Trey Sermon's inactive. And then Elijah Mitchell, which Mung called out of out of nowhere, you know. And then we yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo's a quarterback, so Brandon Ayuk disappears, at least in, you know, we're looking at the, even the snap share, 26 snaps. Trent Sherfield had more snaps. And Debo yeah. Samuel went nuts, right? Nine receptions, 189 and a touchdown. Love it, love it. 48% target share. 48. That's insane. You know, and it's like, I know it's week one and that's, you know, and I do feel like Shanahan is is trying to light a fire under Ayuk. He's trying to light a fire under Sermon. They talked about, you know, some of the things at camp there and he wants to motivate them because it's a season-long thing. The Detroit Lions beating them was nothing. That was what was going to, that was inevitable. You know, but it was like, trying to light a fire under those guys. Because, I mean, heck, Mohamed Sanu almost had as many snaps as Ayuk. It was just not, you know, like it just wasn't there. But let's talk about Elijah Mitchell. This is what Mostert goes down after just four plays. Jamichael Hasty's in there. But Elijah Mitchell comes in. And, and Mung, this has been your guy. Someone definitely to blow a lot of fab on, you know, and we missed the cut on that. But 
can we can we see what kind of timeshare can we see between these guys? I mean, is this still going to be Trey Sermon or is Elijah Mitchell and Sermon both going to be involved? Yeah, I would be buying Sermon if people are worried that he's going to be inactive again. I'm fairly certain that he will play in week two, and I expect him to see more involvement than Michael Hasty. Um, if we don't, if we do see a lot more Hasty and Mitchell, then I, I would say it's time to worry a little bit about Sermon. Uh, but as of right now, I'm projecting that this is going to be a Sermon-Mitchell split. And that's the reason I was always excited about Mitchell as a sleeper. Um, I grabbed him in the last round of a lot of redraft formats purely because we never, you know, I hate to say this, but because we wish Raheem Mostert well. But it just, given his track record, we were worried that he was not going to stay healthy for the entire season, maybe not even half the season. He didn't even last half a game. So Mostert, uh, to me, Sermon's role would be elevated, but Mitchell would step in as a good replacement in terms of their skill sets. So I I like Mitchell and Sermon. Um, I like them both going forward. I'll add to that, too. Um, I I think that Mitchell is actually profiles more like Mostert in terms of skill set. And so putting him in there in that role, Shanahan's going to use him like he had been using Mostert. But make no mistake, Sermon isn't dead. He's going to be active. He's talented. Um, I think, again, we see some Shanahanigans here. He he will get some of that workload. But I, I got to tell you, I was channeling Mung here. I'm going to read a couple of texts that I got because I picked up Elijah Mitchell before the game started. Because when I saw Sermon inactive, I'm thinking to myself, who do we talk about on the pod? Who's the guy that I think Shanahan could go with? It's got to be Elijah Mitchell. So I just got this text during the show. How did you know to pick up Elijah at 11.47 a.m. Sunday morning? (laughs) And from another league, how the hell did you have the premonition to pick up Elijah Mitchell before the game started? And that's kind of what we do. We prep for this. We talk about it. We figure out. We pay attention when things are happening, when they they call in actives. Remember to, to react if you have a redraft league or an open waiver wire, go make moves like that. And now I think you you read you read the rewards. And, and Mike, how about this wide receiver situation? With Let, let's get a two uh, cowbell salute here. From Mike. <laughs> you know that I was a great. That from Monk, Monk helped me out on that one, so thank you. Yeah, Mike. no, that that's fantastic. I mean, I feel like Ayuk is still a buy here. Ayuk's still going to be fantastic. But I'm excited about the other side of the ball because T.J. Hawkinson was what we said he was going to be, right? You know, yeah. eight receptions, ninety-seven yeah. yards, and a touchdown. Seven of them for first downs. If you if you get you know the benefit of that, and then the other guy that just totally got knocked down by a lot of a lot of analysts and pushed down. Guy that I've been hyping a lot is DeAndre Swift. Mm-hmm. You know, eight receptions. But if you look at the RB three for the week was Jamal Williams. The RB four was Swift. These guys. It's not going to be the wide receivers. It's not going to be. It's going to be the tight ends and the running backs. And this is going to be a lot of negative game script for Detroit. So I feel like, just like we talked about with Naheem Hines and and, and Taylor, Jamal Williams is flex worthy. You know, he's definitely going to be in a, a situation where it, with the game scripts and DeAndre Swift, if he keeps getting the targets like this, should be considered. You know, a back end RB one for the season. If we, I know it's small sample size. He's a guy that I've just been. His pass catching ability is fantastic. Yeah, and I mean, look. I think that we got to consider Jamal Williams as a pretty legit play as well. Yeah. He he was actually third in the league for targets on routes run at 
So he's actually not just running the ball between the tackles. He's getting involved. Detroit's going, like you said, they're going to focus on the running game, getting it to Hawkinson. And, and so Jamal Williams is a guy that I'm keeping a close eye on and may still be a value because of the, the name notoriety that Swift has. So um, for our week one contest here, my, my running back outside top 24 is going to be Jamal Williams. I love that. Let's let's finish up with that because what we're going to do, trophysmack.com, you guys got to go over there, get your trophy. If you put in code SMASH, you're going to get a free $69 championship ring. You know, you got to get them rings, wear that clout for the next year. And what we're going to do is we're just going to pick our guys. So let's start with that running back position. You said Javante Williams, if he gets the opportunity here, he's a guy that's outside the top 24 who could potentially put himself in there. Or Jamal Jamal Williams, Williams, I'm sorry. You're going yeah, with Javante. I'm going Javante Williams. I got a little <laughs> excited go, in there Dad. because the way the game script's going to go, this is a, a game where yeah. I can see Denver getting the lead really early and, and an opportunity where Melvin Gordon takes a little bit of a backseat in the second half, and I think Javante Williams really could shine in that game script if given the opportunity. Mung, who's your running back that you're smashing this week outside the top 24? Yeah, I touched on it a little bit earlier, but when we talked about the Colts, uh, 17 carries for Jonathan Taylor, but nine carries for Naeem Hines, and then the two combined for a 45% target share. Naeem Hines actually led the Colts in targets. Uh, I think that both of them can be top 24 running backs. Clearly, Taylor is who you want above Hines, but I think Hines is a RB2 as well. John, let's go with your wide receiver. I've talked about him a ton, so I'm going to just say Devonta Smith is the wide receiver one in Philly. He's outside the top 24, and that seems to be a, a bit too far. You know, obviously going to be in a lot of negative game script, in my opinion, against that San Francisco offense. Who's your wide receiver? I'm going with Antonio Brown. You know, I think that uh, he looked great. I mean, he, he they're going to spread vintage. the ball around. and He, he did. And that's I mean, can what, we talk about this? Coach is saying. He looked like the wide receiver one in Tampa. Yeah, I mean, he didn't he have did. quite as many routes run, but when, when he was in there, I mean, Brady was looking for him. He had the touchdown, and they get wait for it, Atlanta. Yeah, in week two. So I think he's going to eat, and so he's he's definitely my pick. I'm excited about watching him. Mung, who you got at wide receiver? Got to go with Jamar Chase. Uh, I don't understand why he's still ranked so low. I don't know why he's so cheap in DFS, but yeah. he gets a Chicago secondary that is just awful um i think he's the clear number one in cincinnati i've been on chase all year so love it good call good call i'm gonna go with we're moving on to the tight end position john let's hear yours first i'm, I'm actually gonna go with cole Komet. i really liked how involved he was i think a lot of people are thinking jimmy graham was still gonna be a thing but he again he got seven targets and i think andy dalton is, is still in there he could be kind of a safety blanket there and I could see him actually getting into the red zone. So going with Cole Komet this week. I like it. I'm going to go with, with Tyler Conklin. I've talked about him during the episode before. Arizona, you know, in this particular game, in the past, they have really struggled against the tight end. They didn't week one, but I do feel like he's a guy who's going to be he's going to be across that end zone in, in week two. And Mung. Yeah, look, nobody wants to talk about the Jaguars right now, and all the talk has been about Shark versus Jones versus Chenault, but let's talk about James O'Shaughnessy, who saw a ton of volume in targets when they were in catch-up mode. Are we expecting this Jaguars team to win many games this year? They're going to be playing in a ton of garbage time situations, and O'Shaughnessy looks like one of Lawrence's safety outlets right now, so I like him. 
All right, I don't want either of you guys to throw up, but my quarterback outside the top 16 is Jared Goff. I think Green Bay is going to torch him. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be coming out back on that, back on fire. They're going to have a lot of negative game script to throw the ball, and they gave up you know, the third most fantasy points in week one, so I think Jared Goff is a guy who I know he's become like if you say you have Jared Goff on your team, it's like such a negative concept. But I think he's going to be a you know back end QB two and and maybe even get into that top twelve to sixteen this week. Yeah, I'm actually have something similar for my quarterback, Matt Ryan. I know we kind of all have the picture of him like laying down on the field. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> so uh, bad. But but I do think that he could bounce back. I think we might have seen just a bit of an overreaction. It looks a little counterintuitive because they're playing Tampa Bay. But I think what's going to happen here is they're going to be playing from behind. Tampa Bay is going to light them up. And the Tampa Bay secondary showed us that they do have some gaps versus Dallas. And I think Atlanta can get enough going to where I could see Matt Ryan having a decent week and putting up some points and, and getting into that um, top top 12 range. Mong, take us home. What quarterback are you smashing this week? Ooh, first off, I would say I would stay away from Ryan because we saw <laughs> Dak Prescott move around a bit and be able to avoid that pass rush. But – I don't know so much about Ryan, but anyway, um, I'm going to go with Teddy Bridgewater here against, again, a Jaguars defense that pretty much made Tyrod Taylor look like Patrick Mahomes. And we know that Taylor's been a capable quarterback, but that Jaguars defense is just awful. Um, I love Bridgewater even without Jerry Judy this week. Dude, you got to feel great for Tyrod Taylor, though. He finally gets a shot, right? Or, like- I'm sorry, uh, Tyrod. Tarod, yeah, we'll call him what we. I, I'm I'm a little bit of a boomer. I can't pronounce Ty, Tyson Williams. You know, like I'm gonna pronounce it my way. I'm a little little Frankie Blue Eyes there. I did it my way, guys. That was a great show. Enjoyed you know chopping it up with you guys again. Mike, um, real quick. A, I know we're short on time, but there's two things I gotta say. Yeah, let's hear <laughs> it. One, uh, if you want, if you want a potential Elijah Mitchell-esque guy, Alex Collins, uh, after Rashad Penny yeah, went down nice. with that calf injury, um, he's somebody nice. to keep an eye on stash if you can. And two, I, you're gonna like this, Mike. I think I picked the Eagles to upset the Niners if they Woo! stick with Jimmy Garoppolo. So if you are in redraft leagues where you're stashing Trey Lance. I would not would not drop him. I, I think we are going to see him sooner rather than later with all the injuries to their defense. They're going to need him in some shootouts. They're not going to be just leading games even with an easy schedule. Yeah, I love it. That's, Very nice. You cannot emphasize this enough. I, I've talked to guys that are in redraft, and they're like, I gotta, I'm in a two-quarterback league, but, I mean, Fields and Lance aren't starting. They're going to win you leagues. Just, just be patient. Get they're get going em. to win it. If you have an opportunity to get either – Go do it. Thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process. Yo, that was fun.